0: This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. So be sure to pick up a nice cool Pepsi to enjoy while you watch Giants football. And don't forget, Check out madeforfootballwatching.com for the latest football watching content exclusively from Pepsi.
1: You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family. Your team every day. Patricia trying to here with you. It is Tuesday, September 15th. We are coming to you the day after the New York Giants week one regular season opener. A 26 16 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Quite frankly, a loss that I, I don't think anybody found unexpected Um, some good to come out of the game some bad to come out of the game and on today's show we'll break all of that down in segments two and three Gene Clemens of Giants Country will join me to break down some of the uh, good and the bad from the offense and defensive play. But first, a couple of quick housekeeping notes before we get into segment one. And uh, we are going to do our mailbag, our weekly mailbag, on Friday. So if you want to participate, make sure you email your questions to me at LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. And I will make sure that those get into the mailbag that we do on Friday. It's a great way to end the week. And quite frankly, it's one of my favorite features to do during the week. So here's hoping that uh, you guys can, can get your questions in and we have a really healthy mailbag. Uh, on today's show, like I said, we're going to break down the Giants' loss to the Steelers. And before we get to Gene Clemens in segment two, I want to talk about some of the numbers and some of the observations um, that I I came away with, having slept on it, having gone back and looked at the TV tape and uh, just kind of putting together stuff for my report card on GiantsCountry.com. Now, we obviously need to start. With the running game, the Giants running game was just, if if there was a major ward on this team last night, that was it. The running game was just atrocious. There was no run blocking to speak of. The push was just not there. Saquon Barkley managed uh, only six yards on 15 carries. That's a .4 average. I think almost as bad as as last year's Week 13 appearance against the Jets were I think he had maybe one yard rushing and I want to say 13 attempts or something like that. So really not good, but uh, a couple of quick takeaways on that, you know, I mentioned the lack of the run blocking, but another thing in um, the review of the tape, some of the c- runs called for Saquon Barkley were actually of the slow developing variety and when you play against a fast flowing defense like the steelers you've got to match speed with speed you can't sit there and 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 plan on saquon barkley who although he has the ability to do this um you can't plan on him suddenly turning up to um uh, another level speed level and um trying to to catch the steelers off guard it just doesn't work that way and i think that was a miscalculation that the Giants made when they, uh, when they approached uh, that particular aspect of the game plan. Uh, another thing I want to mention is the performance of Daniel Jones. Now, if you look at Daniel Jones's numbers, Jones completed 26 of 41 passes, 279 yards. He was sacked three times through two touchdowns and two interceptions. For the most part, I thought Jones didn't have a bad game. I thought I thought he had a solid game. There were a few times, more than a few times, when the kid was under pressure. Um, I think one of the things he needs to really work on as he continues in his second year is feeling the pressure better. And I point to his interception that he threw from the four-yard line that squashed a golden opportunity for the Giants to score. Uh, that was an instance where Jones, you know, all he had to do was kind of take off and, you know, try to run that ball. And, you know, it was second down. If if Even if you don't make it, you still have another down to try and score. But he tried to make a play. He ended up getting picked off. It was a bad decision, a bad throw. But you know what, it reminded me a little bit of a young Eli Manning, who if you remember back in the day, he was a little bit of a gunslinger, a guy who took chances, a guy who, you know, was so focused on making a play, you know, it took Manning a while to understand that it's okay to eat the ball, it's okay to take a sack, it's okay that, you know, if you if you run it and come up short, and you have another down or two, that's Okay. And Jones is going to learn that. But I have to say, you know, I like how he stood in the face of pressure. I liked how he handled the blitz. I liked how, you know, some of his throws, particularly those to Darius Slayton. I mean, they were beautiful. They were textbook throws. So overall, I don't think the kid had a bad game. You know, the numbers will say that it was pedestrian. I think in this case, the numbers are going to lie a little bit. So defensively, just to touch on that real quick. And uh, I made this note in my report card on Giants country, Um, you know, the Giants, I thought Blake Martinez had a fantastic game, a fantastic debut. And as I noted in my report card, when you look at linebacker tackles, they're not all created equal. So if you are, if you've got 12 tackles and 10 of them are coming seven or more yards down the field, that is not good. That's not good production. Martinez, I believe, had like five tackles. five of his twelve tackles were made um, inside of the uh, inside of five yards from the line of scrimmage. And he also had um, I think two tackles for a loss. So that was pretty solid um, production from Blake Martinez. I thought Leonard Williams and Lorenzo Carter both were absolute solid. On the uh, on the defense, you know, Leonard Williams, I think that was the most active I've seen him. And, um, you know, he actually recorded a sack. And I think he had two quarterback hits as well, uh, as well as two tackles for a loss. So really a nice showing, a good start for Leonard Williams. There were actually some instances where I thought he could have had more production, more in the line of sacks or a quarterback hit. But he just barely missed Uh, which has been a problem for him is finishing those plays, but still an encouraging start. I mentioned Lorenzo Carter. He finished third on the team with seven tackles, had a quarterback hit. He was basically in the beginning living in the Steelers' backfield. So I like what I saw of him. What I did not like from the Giants, the defensive secondary still needs a little bit of work. I mean, they, they did a mixture of man coverage and zone coverage, And those zone coverages, are they just basically need to be tightened up uh, because there was just too much space, I think, for the Steelers to exploit. Um, Offensively, I was very disappointed with the play of the tight ends. I thought they would be uh, more productive in this one. Um, Evan Ingram had a game really to forget. I mean, he had a drop. He had an offensive pass interference. There was one play in the end zone which I thought he he might have had a chance to to make had he had a better release off the line of scrimmage, but such of course was not the case, and uh, that's something the Giants, you know, and especially Ingram, they need to to get that together because trust me, folks, this kid has talent, but this inconsistency is just enough to drive a person mad. With uh, watching him and hopefully, you know, that straightens out moving forward. And then finally, folks, the one stat that I'm looking at that absolutely surprised and delighted me at the same time is the Giants, like the Steelers, converted 30, uh, I'm sorry, 53% of their third downs, both going eight of 15 Now, that, to me, is a big thing because in the past, the Giants' offense could not sustain drive. So in converting um, over 50% of their third downs, that is definitely a mark of progress, one that I was glad to see. Another thing I was happy to see, the Giants averaged 6 yards per pass attempt versus the Steelers' 6.1 yards per pass attempt which means the passing game was uh, working for the Giants, even though, you know, it didn't produce, actually the Giants, I should say, they they actually had 279 yards passing, um, two touchdowns, the Steelers 229 yards passing and three touchdowns. But still, the Giants able to take advantage of some of the very few holes on that Pittsburgh defense, so good to see that as well. All right, Giant fans, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, Gene Clemens of Giants Country is going to join me. And we're going to continue breaking down the Giants' 26-16 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Stay with us. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays. And see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game, every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place where you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best, like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL film's archive. Go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Hey, Giant fans, this is Patricia Trena, host of the Locked on Giants podcast, and I want to tell you about my debut book. It's called The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants, and I've sought to create a living history of the top men and moments that have made one of the NFL's charter franchises what it is today, relive the franchises four Super Bowls. Find out what convinced former general manager Ernie Accorsi that quarterback Eli Manning was indeed the one. Learn about the events that brought the Tisch family into the Giants' ownership lore, and so much more. This 368-page paperback book includes loads of photos and stories of some of the greatest Giants in history as told in their own words. The Big 50, the men and moments that made the New York Giants, will be available starting September 8, 2020, on Amazon, Barnes and & Noble, and wherever else books are sold. So pre-order your copy today, and thank you for your support. And welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Traina here with you, and I am now joined by Gene Clemens, Coach Gene Clemens. He is a writer at Giants Country, does a great job, does film work, he does uh analytical, does all kinds of great things for the site. If you are not reading Coach Gene Clemens, you want to check him out. You can find him at GiantsCountry.com, and you can find him on Twitter at Gene Clemens. And, Gene, thank you so much for taking the time this morning to join me to talk about the Giants' uh, loss last night. Their 26-16 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: No problem, Gene. And Gene, I think we have to start off by talking about the rushing game. I mean, watching that rushing game. Now, we kn- we knew coming in, Pittsburgh had a very, very good defense. Let's not take anything away from them. But the Giants finished with 29 yards on 20 rushing attempts. Saquon Barkley, six yards on 15 rushing attempts. Barkley was hit at or behind the line of scrimmage, I think on 11 of those uh, rushes. When you watch this unfold, Gene, what do you think the biggest issue was regarding the running game and why it couldn't get started?
1: Well, it it was the most troubling thing for me watching the game last night. I thought that they would struggle a little in pass protection simply because of who they were facing. The Steelers gave everybody fits in pass protection last year. So it's not, it's not abnormal to think that the Giants, who just inserted three new starters into an offensive line, would have issues. My, my concern was in the running game because it just didn't seem as if these guys who normally get a push off the line were getting any, any push. You could say what you want about Nick Gates, but Nick Gates has always been known as an aggressive football player. And, and whether he was playing guard or tackle, he's a guy who fired off the ball. And he, um, I, I think Andrew Thomas, who who is known as a run blocker first, a pass protector second, neither one of them really showed the level of aggressiveness in the run game that we would hope to see from those guys. Now, on the other side, Cam Fleming has never been known as a as a run blocking tackle. He is really more of a pass protection tackle. And I know a lot of people were down on the right side um, last night, but in reality, he didn't do the worst job on T.J. Watt. I mean, he he, he had some times where he just got flat-out beat, but that was going to happen. I mean, the Steelers are just really good. But I think it really comes back to the cohesion of the offensive line. Unlike every other position on the field, the offensive line has to work as one complete unit. Um, we just found out that Nick Gates was going to be the starter at the what midway point of last week. So that theoretically could have been the first time that those five guys were together for a prolonged period of time throughout the entire um, preseason. And so without them having any actual legitimate game time together, the cohesion that needs to happen, especially in the run game, when you're asking people to double team and then climb to the second level, just was not there.
0: And Gene, you know, I'm looking at the uh, play time percentages. The Giants used a lot of uh, two and three tight end sets. They had Evan Ingram took 64 out of the 68 snaps. Caden Smith took uh, 43% of the snaps, 29 total uh, Tololo Uh, to 35%, 24 total, yet they still couldn't get a a push. Now, I know you haven't had a chance to look at the film yet, but based on what you remember, was the Steelers, were they very complex up front? In other words, were they doing a lot of stunts and twists, or were they pretty much playing it straight? I mean, was it just a battle of, um, I mean, a matter of the teams, the Giants not winning their one-on-one matchups, or were they just getting fooled by what the Steelers were doing?
1: Well, if you if 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 anyone's followed me on Giants Country, they remember a, a a breakdown that I did of Jason Garrett's offense and and his utilization of tight ends and his utilization of tight ends. They're not always based off of getting more blockers out there. Um, Talolo, I I believe is and, and, and you know, Caden Smith isn't bad, but Talolo's a blocking tight end. The other two guys are really more receiving type of tight ends. And so if you're employing impl- two and three tight end sets with guys who are not really blockers, are you really getting an advantage or are you just kind of sending guys out to do average work because they're average to below average at that skill? Um, I think that's what it came down to. And when you look at the types of runs that, they were not having success with, I think the one thing that Giants fans should be alarmed about was that those off-guard plays, we're talking about the only two veteran stalwarts that you have on the on the offensive line in, in, in Zeitler and in, in Hernandez not being able to impose their will where you thought that that would be the one place for sure the Giants had the advantage. But as far as the tight ends, I think they just did what they would normally do. Tololo's a good blocker, but the other two guys are okay to below average at best when it comes to blocking. But you did see their impact in the passing game, and I think that's what you're going to see out of a Jason Garrett offense, especially when you don't have the services of a golden tape to be able to facilitate having another receiver who you can rely on on the field at that time.
0: Gene, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Andrew Thomas and his NFL debut. Again, I know you don't have to take yet as we record this, but based on what you saw last night, how encouraged were you by what that young man showed?
1: So I thought he everything gets magnified because again, they're going up against a real. This can't be. This can't be sold short. The Pittsburgh Steelers have a. A, an NFL Super Bowl-caliber defense. like It's not just, like, smoke and mirrors. They're just way better at some positions. They have two of the best edge rushers in the game, and um, two guys inside, and, and Stephon Tuitt and, and Cameron Hayward, that anybody in the NFL would love to have. And for the most part, having to deal with um, – having to deal with, you know, those extremely athletic edge rushers all night, um, in the past game, I didn't think he did that bad. Again, I was the only I, I thought he I thought he I thought he comported himself well in the past game. I thought the only trepidation I had was not seeing the aggressiveness in the run blocking, but that could also come from the fact that he's not trying to tip his hand run and pass. And so he maybe just wasn't as aggressive as he would normally be. That's going to come with game, with actual game time. And he didn't get any preseason snaps. So he's a rookie playing the most, arguably one of the most important positions in football against one of the best pass rushers in Bud Dupree. And he was able to comport himself in his first game. You, you got to see that as a positive, if nothing else.
0: And, Gene, one more question on the offense before we take a break and flip over to the defense. Daniel Jones, the expectations for him in year two are raised, obviously. You know, I know some of the things I've said about his performance is he's need, he needs to expedite his decision making process. He needs to obviously do a better job with, with uh, you know, not forcing balls in there. He had one bad interception. But overall, how do you think he did and what still concerns you about his performance?
1: Well, I I liken it in my piece that I wrote about him. Um, I think he's right now, he's the gift and the curse. Um, And unfortunately, throughout his career, even if you look back to his Duke days, he had times where he would just make that one crippling mistake or that that one play that you were just like, oh, my gosh. Uh, He's always, I actually think he's always had, issues with the processing quick when, when, when met with a lot of pressure, he's really good against, he's really good against man, um, coverage. He's not as, not as good versus zone coverage. And that showed again, um, last night, the interception, um, the interception he threw to TJ Watt. That's just TJ Watt making a really good play. That's not, um, you know, necessarily on daniel jones although i will say he did stare his receiver down which allowed tj watt to be able to kind of read his eyes and where he was going with the ball but that's just a phenomenal play by tj watt nine times out of ten that ends up as a back down um the one time out of ten someone's able to jump up and snatch it out the air the other interception there is no excuse for it. like that is if, if you look at what he was doing when he got flushed he's athletic he should do what athletic quarterbacks do, which is take off and run. On top of it, he was looking to throw the ball to a guy that had about four to five defenders somewhere in the vicinity of him. So I can't say he was necessarily trying to throw it to him or maybe he was trying to throw it out the back of the end zone, but the better play would have been to just run it, get down, live the fight another day, and and make sure that you secure the three points because that was the most important thing, and he didn't. That hurt them um, tremendously in a game where it it was it was really up for grabs. If he could have just made, you know, a play here or a play there.
0: And indeed, and I, I think I saw a statistic that the Steelers converted ten points off of giant turnovers, and I think the Giants had something like seven. So the Steelers won that turnover battle um, at off of giant mistakes. Something their head coach Joe Judge said they need to clean up, amongst other things. Gene, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Giants defense. Giant fans, stay with us. You are listening to the Locked on Giants podcast. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars and trucks, it's become impossible for retail shops to stock everything in a traditional chain storefront. So the next time you need a part for your car or truck, visit rockauto.com rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. rockauto.com offers scores of different auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers for nearly every make and model of car out there. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and are the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Welcome back, giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Traina here with you, and I'm joined by Gene Clemens of Giants Country. We are breaking down. The Giants lost their week one loss on Monday Night Football, 26-16 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. A loss that, you know, look, at the end of the day, a loss is a loss. But the Giants showed a little bit of fight, a little bit more fight than I think what we've historically seen from them, at least in recent years. And, Gene, let's talk about the defense, because I thought of the two units. The defense had, now I'm not saying they had the best game or, or a perfect game, but I thought they were a little bit more productive and what they were asked to do and actually getting it done. What were your thoughts on the defense?
1: Um, I was I was very um pleased with what I saw. There was obviously there are things that you can always um, you know, do a better job of. I thought there was a, a couple coverage snafus. I thought there was a couple times where um the linebackers found themselves out of position to be able to make plays. Um, but I was really pleased that the um defensive line and what they were able to do. Um I believe, you know, overall I, I think that that the Steelers were able to um break off a couple big runs um that that allowed the rushing numbers to look a little bit more skewed um in in their favor. But overall if you look at the average yards per rush, um I thought, you know, I thought they were getting it done. Um if you um I think I think they finished with somewhere around you know, 140 yards of um, rushing on 30 carries, which you know roughly works out to um, you know somewhere close to four yards a carry. You'd like to have it under four yards, um, but again, they had a couple big runs that that definitely facilitated um, that that number being being big. I thought the defensive line was disruptive. Um, they didn't get as many sacks as as they probably should have. Um but they were disruptive. I thought um I thought I thought Martinez at might was what we expected him to be. Um a guy who's going to be in on almost every tackle. Um I like the dynamics of the defensive backfield. I would love to see what this defense would look like with all of the people who are injured or out right now in, but you have to be encouraged by what you saw against what well, again, what's going to be a very potent offense and You could see Big Ben getting more and more comfortable the more snaps he took. And um, there were just just opportunities that I think that if the offense had taken advantage of, it would have been beneficial for the defense because they never got an opportunity to play with a legit lead. And I think that's where you'll really see the brilliance of a Patrick Graham defense come into play when they're able to get up on somebody and then get a lot more exotic with what they show, um, you know, out of their coverages and out of their blitzes.
0: Gene, I want to talk about two guys in particular on the defense who I thought were really um, active and disruptive. And that those were Leonard Williams and Lorenzo Carter. Now I know you've written about both of them in the past for giants country. I know for Carter, one of your very first articles, you talked about how he was misused in the past and how he would be better off you know, in, in a different type of alignment. Leonard Williams, I think you've written about him as well. What did you see from those two guys in terms of how they were used and how effective they were?
1: Well, I think you just have to you know, call Leonard Williams what he is. He's a defensive lineman. Um, I, I think that this defense isn't getting caught up in trying to make him a defensive end or a rush end. They're just allowing him to be a defensive lineman and be a football player. And you can see that he's playing free. He does what he does best. He's able to manhandle one on one um one on one competition. He's able to command double teams and 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 make disruption from the middle of the field all the way out um outside. And so you saw him lined up a little of everywhere. I think you'll see him lined up a little of everywhere. Um, like I predicted when, when I wrote about him earlier in the year, um, Lorenzo Carter really having an opportunity to play, um, you know, a little bit further out wide and take advantage of his athleticism and his power. Um, he, there was a, there was a, um, a pressure that he had that resulted in a sack, um, when the, when he wasn't able to bring the quarterback down, um, because it's hard for anyone to bring Big Ben down. And, um, you know, he was able to, 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 get in a lot of tackles. He was chasing plays down. I really liked his motor. Um, and I think getting him a little bit further away from the interior allows that motor to run, um, a lot, a lot better than it was last year where they were kind of using him sometimes like he was a, a an interior defensive lineman, which I thought was a very um, poor way to use him.
0: Gene, what about the defensive secondary? I know, you know, that was a, a a big question mark, even coming into camp. Last night, I thought at times that unit just still didn't look cohesive. I don't know if that's because of the new faces or because of the youth or a combination of the two. But what did you see as being the biggest issue with that group? And, you know, did they play maybe better than than we're giving them credit for? Or was it as bad as it looked, in your opinion?
1: So I I think that there's, you know, obviously, it's going to matter. The the two units in football that really a lot of times have to work together. One's the offensive line. The offensive line didn't look good. The other one is the secondary, and the secondary had some struggles. Um, And I think that's because when when you're not used to working together and theirs isn't necessarily – well, yeah, they didn't have any opportunity to play in games together, but also they haven't actually worked as, as this unit a lot because they've had people get injured. They've had people get signed late. They've had changes and transformations. And then when you add in that amoeba look of a defense that Patrick Graham brings in where he's personneling and bringing in a lot of different guys, they just haven't gotten used to, um, you know, playing together. And, that's unfortunate when you think about who you're playing because Big Ben will exploit you if you leave a hole somewhere for him to get to and and he did that especially in the in the second half where he really started to get his feet underneath him. You could tell he was missing he was missing throws that he would normally make in the first half, and then in the second half he just got more comfortable and he wasn't missing those throws anymore and and that ended up being the the death nail for um the defense which played you know reasonably okay but the defensive backfield definitely looked a little disjointed and that's almost to be expected at this point of the year when you have so much turnover and um so little time to prepare
0: in terms of where this defense realistically can make the biggest step forward from week 1 to week 2 where will you be looking for that to happen, especially with the opponent that's coming up, the Chicago Bears?
1: Well, I definitely think you'll see them operate better in coverage, um, first off, because now they have a game under their belt. They'll be able to actually see legitimate film versus an opponent um, where they can make adjustments, see who didn't do what. Um where we need to, to make changes at to to show up what we're doing. So I think you'll definitely see them be more um more cohesive in the back half or in the, in the back end. Um I also don't think you'll see um the linebackers have as many kind of mental busts on um, passing plays as you saw. There were a lot of times we just saw backs kind of leaking out a tight ends kind of leaking out and there was no linebacker anywhere near them to be able to, um, you know, keep keep Big Ben from, you know, checking down a ball. And and whether that was on purpose or whether that was just the linebackers not getting to their landmarks, we we won't know for sure. Um, But I think you'll see a lot of that stuff get cleaned up next week, especially because they're not playing Big Ben next week. You know, and they're not playing Juju Smith-Schuster next week. And so if you if you just think about it from that standpoint, this was really a bad team to have to play week one because the Steelers essentially returned their entire team. So the continuity was already there.
0: Indeed, Gene. And then final question for you here. If you're a Giant fan, what can you take away from this game that – you would find to be the silver lining in in what was otherwise another loss.
1: Well, I mean, I, I know that, that no one likes to hear it, but you know, these are building blocks. You've got to be encouraged by the fact that, um, Daniel Jones had a really nice command over, um, Jason Garrett's offense. Um, you have to like the fact that, um, you had receivers and tight ends making plays all over the field. You have to like the fact that um Saquon Barkley, when he is able to um see a little bit of daylight, is still Saquon Barkley. And and defensively you like the pressure that they're getting that you're getting from your, your front. Um you like the fact that um that Martinez is is what he's been advertised as, which is a tackling machine. You like the fact that um, James Bradbury came in and was instantly um, a, 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 a playmaker for this defense, this defensive secondary, um, and it even caused a fumble that they were just unlucky to not recover because um, Smith Schuster was Johnny on the spot. So, uh, and then and then Jabril Peppers in the in the return game showed that he's going to be a dynamic. He's still going to be a dynamic punt returner. Um, when he gets the opportunity to do so, and he's still going to be a guy who, um, can match up, regardless of his size, can match up with any tight end or big, or bigger slot receiver, um, and, and have some success versus them. So lots of good takeaways, even though at the end of the day, the, the scoreboard still wasn't on the, the side of the good guys.
0: Well said, Gene, and listen, I appreciate the insight. I think it was excellent, as always. Folks, if you are not reading Gene Clemens, check him out. He is on Giants Country. I think you also write for uh, Football Game Plan, too, right? You're doing some of the college stuff, too? Absolutely. Yep. So he's he's doing college stuff, scouting the Tomorrow Stars. He's writing on Giants Country. He is Coach Gene Clemens. Follow him on Twitter, at Gene Clemens. And, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Locked on Giants. This is Patricia Trainer. We'll be back tomorrow. And don't forget, folks, we're going to have our weekly mailbag. Uh, we're going to probably look to do it on Friday, so this way you have some opportunity to get your, your questions in. Send them to Podcast at gmail.com, and we will answer them on Friday. For Gene Clemens, I am Patricia Trainer. Have a great day.